T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome and welcome back. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage. We'll talk NFL football. We'll talk Bears. We'll talk about their quarterback around 1220 this hour. But first, Ozzie Gian was on with Mully and Haw. He was talking Clevenger, Eloy, and all things with a team that apparently hates its fans. Ozzy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Very glad to be back with you guys. Yeah, we're delighted. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, the story of the day is what happened yesterday. Mike Clevenger is, uh, is under investigation for domestic abuse and for child abuse. And, uh, and that really changes sort of the, uh, the offseason pitching story. The Sox went out and signed uh, Mike Clevenger to a one-year deal, and it's, uh, it's a situation now where you got to wait and let Major League Baseball do its investigation. It just puts a pall over the season in a way. Well, you know, to be honest with you, it's very sad to hear that very uh, complicated Subjects very, uh, very, very tough to talk about it because uh, when the Major League Baseball do an investigation, that means this is true. They're not going to waste time in something they know they can uh, see what's going on. Uh, seeing like it's had been doing, you know, had been a uh, few years with him. I just read a couple of tweets and I just read a couple of things, what you say. Uh, we have to wait and see if this is true. But uh, obviously, it's true or not. You know, I mean, we have Bauer. They got, a, you know, we had a Bauer. This example, what they did to him. All of a sudden, we find out he wasn't not guilty and still have problems. Uh, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I think the White Sox uh, had to be ready to plan B without him because I think a Major League Baseball uh, is going to punish him, and the way they're punishing people doing those kind of things. Uh, it's not the one, the easiest one to escape. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the White Sox right now, they have to be in plan B. Something you don't want to hear about it. Something you don't want to be part of it. Something you, you know, I mean, you're a human being, you're married. Uh, nowadays, I have a, a, a two little granddaughters. Uh, I don't know exactly how my reaction is going to be. Is, is that happened to my granddaughters? Uh, it just, everything's going to be negative for the White Sox and obviously for Clevenger and his family. Um, so this has been going on for a couple of years. We just find now a couple of days ago. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad 
I'm sad because I'm glad because they, they find that right before spring training, and uh, I'm very sad because this kid, I know what they talk about him helping the White Sox, talk about, how, about him, about his life, of the field. Uh, he might can't play anymore. You know, it's just so many negative stuff waiting for him. Uh, it's, it's just sad stuff to be watching. Ozzy, it's great to talk to you again and a belated happy birthday uh, from over there. Thank weekend. you. So I, I think that when you're, you look at your experience as a manager and maybe even is, is, uh, in, in the winter leagues as a, an executive and a manager, have you dealt with situations like this before that are very delicate? And if you have, based on that experience, what would you tell the White Sox to do next? How important is it for them to step out and to make somebody available just to reassure people that this isn't, acceptable behavior and that they do have a plan, even though it might not be plan A, but they are going to respond to this. Uh, it's kind of hard because why so put themselves in a situation they got to answer question they should. I have the same problem with Vasquez. I don't know if you remember this kid. I, I know you guys see it on TV a lot. He's, he just beat the crap out of his wife or his girlfriend in the minor league system. Uh, he was playing winter league in my ball club. And, um, you know, the first thing about it, well, you know, you're going to play winter league, not too many people worry or care about it. But in meanwhile, the, the owner and the, and the general manager asked me about it. I said, you know what? I really don't have anything to it. I don't, I don't think you should be dealing with in Venezuela with that. Uh, very short history. I said, you know, I think it should be out for at least a year. It was, it was out at least for a year, and now still he go back to play. But you're talking about winter league. You're talking about another country. That happened here in the United States. These kids couldn't play anymore here. Uh, this kid is, is having a very hard time uh, playing, I think, in Mexico because the league is, uh, is had to be allowed with the Major League Baseball. And he put himself in the top there. That happened to me. I said, you know what? I, I don't think this kid, and I love this kid. I know this kid for a, little, for a long time. I said, don't put him in the spot like he had to answer questions everywhere he go. And that's what I say, you know, it's sad to see that, but I think the White Sox have to be ready because I don't think you're going to be in the ball club for different reasons. Or to at least they make, thing, make thing clear. But Bauer, Bauer's stuff was clear. You know what I mean? I don't know what they did. What, what, I, I don't care. But it was there and still, they're still punishing him big time. And uh, I asked a couple of people, say, hey, the White Sox is just sign Bauer. And they were like, you crazy? Well, yes, I was. But I think Bauer's arm is a lot of things to do. But it's just, it, it, they say no guilty. And every time move on, the Major League Baseball still punish him. And I, I expect uh, almost similar punishment to, to, to Clevenger than, than, than Bauer did. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see him as a White Sox player. Uh, Ozzy, I don't know if you followed this story uh, with Aloy coming out and talking about now being a right fielder. It, it, it's kind of amazing. You know, they kind of moved him to DH, and you felt good about him as a DH. Uh, they go out and they uh, they get a left fielder, and now um, you you hear from uh, from Aloy. Uh, I think it was two days ago where he says that uh, you know he he still believes he's an outfielder. He, he came and played DH basically because of injury. And, uh, you know, he's, his goal is to be the right fielder now, which I just think is kind of crazy just because I don't think he has the arm strength to be 
uh, a right fielder. I don't know that you want to see him in the outfield. And, you know, it, it, they're just they're just getting going. They haven't even gotten to spring training yet. But did no one tell him that they're hoping he will be the DH and that that's his position? And, and what's wrong with telling him that? You know, I'll be honest, I was last. I, I respect his opinion. I do because still young. You don't want to have the DH uh, guy for the rest of his career. But then the value when you play the the, the field is obviously it's a little bit uh, more money and more value for the ball club. But uh, I don't think I think I think the White Sox should just stop him and say, you know what, kid, you got to be the DH. Uh, this uh, soap opera is been on and on for the last three years. Uh, when you say you want to play one thing, you know, I want to play two. I want to play right now. I'm 59 years old. I want to play right now. So I can. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it's just, it's like I had the same, I got the same problem when I went to the Marlins with uh, Ramirez. It, it was a shortstop. They signed, they signed uh, Regis. And I'm in my, in my house back in Venezuela. All of a sudden I had a phone call for Ramirez. Hey, I'm not going to be the shortstop, blah, blah, blah. blah. Now it, I take, it take me like half an hour to hey, listen to convince them. Reyes coming in. Wow, Reyes supposed to be blah, blah, you know what I mean? But okay, I'm going to be the third base. Next two days later, maybe got a couple of drinks with his friend. And I'm going to play third base. Uh, I'm a sure stop. I say, well, not talk to me. Talk to the owners. Talk to the people out there. I don't care. <laughs> then finally, yeah. I, I, finally, I got tired. Honey Ramirez, yeah. Finally, I got tired. I said, listen, kid. Let me tell you one thing. You don't know me. You're going to be on third base or you're going to be in Dominican Republic. That's easy. <laughs> that easy, easy is that. I'm tired. So you know you're going to be the third baseman. Quit playing games, kids' game. If you not play good third baseman, I will blame myself. Don't take any. Don't put any pressure. You're not a good fielder. You're a good hitter. You worry about hit. I, I went through the everything. I go back to the spring training. I, I sit next to him and say, listen, you're going to be the third baseman? And you're not gonna play anywhere else. That's it. You the day you don't want to play third baseman, you let me know you're gonna be in the bench with me. That's easy as that. And besides that, every time Hanley got four hits, love third base. Oh, love it. Oh, I love third base. Oh, the song Hanley's all for four, and I hate third base. I can hit because I'm playing third base. I I, I really got tired of that. And uh, I think you have to be careful about it. Uh, it's Elohim man. It was Andrew Jones. I like yes, sir. You're right. But it's not. And to me, it's easier to play left field than right field, especially when you play left field all your life. Uh, and I hope somebody has some guts in, in the White House organization, uh, if they have son, to tell him before spring training, give him a call. And I think they did. I don't know. I hope they did. They said, listen, bro, you're going to be LDH. You're going to be LDH. You like it or not. That's all you can do. You, you cannot play. You, you, you prove off wrong. For last three years to put you in the outfield, and I, I think defense is is important game. We want you happy, yes, we do want you happy, but also we want the team better. And the reason we trade, the reason we not sign Jose Abreu is because you have to play at the DH. That's it. That's it. The reason we don't sign Jose because you, we have it. You know, you're gonna be at the DH, and we're gonna move on into first base, and and, and we have to move on and. Uh, I hope this kid understand that I'm really, I truly understand his point. I do. I truly understand his point. But in the meanwhile, uh, when you talk about uh, we care about winning, we care about this, you see, that's an easy example. Players always put themselves self, the self 
before, including myself, I play baseball. I included myself. We put ourselves before we put the ball club, and that's something we have, they have. You know, people have to deal day in and day out. But I think this ball club is better with him in 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 the DH spot. They need his bat in the lineup, no doubt about that. At right field, there's still a question. Maybe it's Oscar Colas who answers it. At second base, well, it's still a question. Well, Nicky Lopez is a guy that they apparently are looking at with the Royals. That's the latest report. And catcher Ozzy. They still have yet to address that with Yasmani Grandal and another component there. Why is the Sox roster this incomplete this late in the winter? Uh, first of all, you can find a backup catcher everywhere. That's, uh, that's, again, can help you there. They, they pray to Grandal. I can go out there and at least catch, catch 130 games, at least, plus DH a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit of first base. You know, it depends how he's hitting. Uh, the second baseman is the problem the White Sox for a long, long time. So maybe, maybe since Iguchi, they had the problem <laughs> every year. Every year they put a second baseman, uh, um, and, and you know, in the spot to play. Uh, second baseman is really very important. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised they don't sign Mendick. Yeah. Because I remember Mendick was the best player they have besides Abreu. Sorry. Best play they have for a month last year. All of a sudden, this kid, this kid don't get hurt last year. I think the White Sox uh, do a better job last year in the stats. But uh, I think this kid, all of a sudden, he disappeared. And I don't know I don't know the reason. I don't know if they're going to have, they already have the two kids play at second base. Uh, you know, we don't know how TA is going to show up. Now I see your little change is a mechanic. Uh, we don't know. The only guy we know is going to be fine. Is dealing with these. Everybody else is, is a question mark. You know what I mean? I, I talked to I, I talked to Moncada a little bit about it. I open try to open his mind, and the way Lucas is, is it's going to be a big year for him. Um, I got the the pleasure to talk to him. They had the guts, tell him exactly what I feel about him, and he he, he agreed with me. Uh, it's one thing about it. We're going to see the same Moncada guys. We're going to see the same guy. No life. Very quiet kid. It's it's not his fault, but I think he had to be better in what he is. Not just for the White Sox, just for him. You know, for him to enjoy the game. He might really enjoy the game. And it's a lot of question mark. Out of now Hendrick is down. Uh, everybody say, oh, we put this guy, that guy, and that guy. But nobody know how hard it is to be the closer in, in the game anymore. You know, you have to be type, type of like him, like Hendrick. You know what I mean? Goofy, lovely, tough guy. Forget everything right away. Don't blame anybody when he's doing bad. You know what I mean? Just, just, you, you will miss that spot. I no doubt uh, anybody can say you save you, you, you are closer all year long. You by mistake you will say twenty five games by mistake, uh, maybe thirty. And that's the reason I think they're going to miss this kid. Uh, but I get back to Jimenez. I said, you know what I mean? Just talk to him, second baseman. Uh, hopefully one of those guys step up and, and do the right thing in the right field. I think everybody's big, big in Cola. I don't think Cola is a gold glover. Uh, I saw I saw a couple of highlights on him. I saw Osney. Uh, my son see him a lot in the minor league this year. And he said, Dad, this guy can hit. This guy, this kid will hit in the big league. But I don't think he's going to be a, you know I me mean, a gold glover outfield. He's not going to be his flying the bases, but at this kick and hit, I say, why not? He had the opportunity to see what he can bring to the table and move on. You know what I mean? Sometimes they leave those guys too long in the minor league. 
when they come to the big league, they 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 it's a little too late. They they make a mistake. They cannot send him down. You know, I mean, so many things. But the White Sox got a lot of question mark up there. The biggest is is uh, Clevenger stats. What are you going to be? And you know, I mean, then you have to move on. And uh, and and, and thank God they did it now. When spring training is is, is closed, uh, it's not the season's closed, but uh. They they have a couple of holes they got to figure out what they're going to do. Maybe they wait for a spring trying to see who step it up and do the job and win the job. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. This is your first time as a, ending a season as a head coach. What is your process of sitting there and saying, okay, you know, is this working on my staff? Position yeah, I mean, the first thing you do is uh, go through the process of exit interviews for the players, you know, so that's a big part of it. And again, we're we're assessing everything there, like I said, from the training room all the way through the coaches. And, and then from there you go, and the next week you do your coaches. You know, you go meet with the position coaches, the coordinators, sit down and talk to them and see where everything is. Matt Eberflus, coach of your Chicago Bears with the number one dr- overall draft pick. What what he does after the regular season ends. Here's what Mike Sando does when the regular season ends and a bunch of guys get fired and he figures out who would be, where would be the best opportunity to go. Joining me on this score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book is Mike Sando, the aforementioned NFL writer for The Athletic. Mike, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks. You, your piece, you caught the Sando pick six reading the coaching openings. You did it, and I'd like you to share with the class your work and how you looked at it. So let's play show and tell. What'd you do, and how did it come out? Okay, so there's the five teams, right? We got Denver, Carolina, Houston, Indy, and Arizona. We're all looking. Carolina has since hired Frank Reich, but. Uh, I think you, you you look at the ownership and you look at either who, your quarterback situation or if you're in position to get one, right? And so I thought two teams were kind of pulled to the bottom by their quarterback situations. It was sort of eliminate a little bit Denver and Arizona because you're going to be locked into really expensive contracts with quarterbacks you probably wish you didn't have at this point uh, for various reasons. And the extension for Russell Wilson and Denver is hasn't even started, right? It's It's going to start. So... Uh, I think that's one of the reasons Denver hasn't had, you know, they were rumored on Sean Payton, all these guys that hasn't really happened. So I would put Denver and Arizona probably fourth and fifth in that. I think Arizona's franchise history a little bit, uh, the conundrum with Kyler Murray is, you know, may pull them to the bottom. Okay. So then I would put Carolina or Houston at the top. Um, There's, they're not perfect. I mean, Houston, you get much better draft capital, tons of cap space, but you also go in there probably having to fit with Nick Casario, the GM, do some things on his terms. Maybe he's going to be involved on game day. Maybe he's going to be involved in your staff a little bit. So, so that's not for everybody, but if that lines up, that could be the top spot because they got two ones, a two, two threes, a lot of flexibility, a few decent pieces uh, that they got in the draft uh, last season. Um, you could make a case too that Carolina maybe you may like Carolina a little more. I'd put them right on par be, because I think the GM there and Scott Fitterer, uh, you know, probably really easy to work with. He's not going to force stuff on you. 
they have good young talent. They played well last season. Uh, and they have an extra second round pick. I don't think that's a huge deal, but a young roster, right? That's probably ready to go. Just find yourself a quarterback easier said than done, but you're not locked into Russell Wilson at age 34, uh, hurting your ability to do stuff in the off season. My guess is Mike Sando. He writes about the NFL for the athletic. We're talking about coaching openings. Where would the bears opening rank if they were looking for a coach now, based on the criteria you cited? Um, yeah, so the Bears would probably, I would probably still put them above the Denver and Arizona's. Uh, I'd probably put them a tick. Well, it's interesting. If they were open right now with fields, I guess you'd put them. I don't think I'd put them at the very top, but you'd probably put them above Indy, right? So maybe you'd have Carolina and Houston in there with Chicago, uh, you know, in the upper part. Okay. The, the, I, the quarterback is so important and there's much debate about the quarterback that did he look bad passing because he had no weapons and no line or can he not, does he not know what an open receiver in the NFL looks like? And when he played at Ohio state, he had all time, all the time he wanted to get to his third read. He could sit there and and finish a, a a homework assignment. Should he be so moved? So what do you think of Justin Fields? Yeah, I think that Justin Fields, uh, no matter what, has to have better weaponry, right? I mean, we know that that's true to, to help him, to give him a chance. I don't think he's uh, by any means a polished passer who's you know ready to uh, carry a pass or an offense, but he doesn't have to do that because of his other gifts. And so I think you continue to try to develop that part of him. I think if you look at what Philadelphia has done with Jalen Hurts, uh, they started out with him a little bit similar uh, to, to the – the bears where it took them half of, you know, his first season as a starter to figure out they were going to run the ball and use them more uh, that way. But then the year after that, this past season, they transitioned back into a little bit more, um, certainly dual threat, but where his passing game expanded, they got him some great weaponry and he grew as a pocket passer. I don't think you can, I don't think it's fair to say that Justin Fields can't do that until you try to coach him through that and get him the weapons. Uh, by all accounts, he's, uh, you know, got the acumen to do it. I mean, that that was one of the things, you know, as far as handling the offense and knowing what he's doing, I think that's probably a strength of his. Now, the instincts of, of passing and playing in that, you know, that hasn't been seen as something that's, that's as uh, natural for everyone, including him. So that's the area he's got to grow. You have to give him the weapons to find out, and then you have to coach him through that. And, Hope he takes to the coaching and works on all the final parts, the finer points of the game. I think that's one of the challenges with uh, somebody who uh, ha- kind of flashes onto the scene. Not that they had good team success, but he he kind of became a star on a losing team uh, with the way he was able to run and make things happen. And so it can be harder than to feel like you need to work on the littler, finer points of, of, of your game to fully develop the passing part, which he has to do. That's, that's up to every individual and the coaching of whether they're going to do that. My guest is Mike Sando. He writes about the NFL for The Athletic. <clears throat> we're talking Bears football here on The Score. If you were the Bears and you had Justin Fields and, it, and a chance to trade him and you had the number one pick and a chance to trade that, would you choose one over the other? Would you do both? What would you do if you were in the Bears situation? I think I would stick with Justin Fields. You know, I, now, look, we haven't. Uh, I'm not as far into the draft stuff 
as I will be in a in a you know two months from now or a month from now. But I don't sense that there's a quarterback that's perfect or Andrew Luck or somebody that you would give up Justin Fields for. Now, if you get an amazing package, I just don't necessarily see that happening. I, I mean, I see people in mock drafts saying, you know, Bryce Young could go number one. He's 190 pounds. <laughs> I, I don't think that's happening, in my opinion. It just takes one team. Maybe someone will do that. But I don't know if that's what you want to if that's what you want to do. So, you know, I, I, I kind of think there's a decent chance they wind up having that pick. We'll see. Chicago. The There is some talk, there's some belief that, that the Texans, Nick Casario, you mentioned he wants to overmanage, he wants to be Bill Belichick when he grows up, and the Bears need him. Failing Ryan Pace getting the Houston job, which the Bears would love because then they would he would overpay for everything the way he did here. Is Nick Casario likely to do that? Is he, is he likely to obsess? Do the bears have the opportunity to leverage? Is it a legit idea that Nick Casario, Chris Ballard would be involved in some kind of battle to see who gets the bears pick? I think that's unrealistic. Why? Uh, I, well, okay. So Casario comes from new England where they don't really put any individual over the team, right? It's mm-hmm. a team concept. They don't do that. Chris Ballard uh, has also been, I think, a little bit on the conservative side. I mean, they have stood on the sideline of free agency, don't overextend, don't make the big mistake. Obviously, their their quarterback situation has become dire, and it's there's pressure on them to get somebody. But I just can't imagine. Unless, I, I just don't think that there's that quarterback in this draft that you have to have and you're going to mortgage everything to go up to one. Um just don't see it. Uh, so, no, I don't think those teams fit the profile to do it for those reasons. If you were the Bears and you had the number one pick, I know you get into draft stuff later, but mm-hmm. what would you, based on what you've seen from the Bears this year, yeah. you can't go wrong picking any position. What do you think? Uh-huh. Or who do you think? Who's your early leader? Yeah. I won't hold you to this, well, but who's your early yeah, leader I as, as number I, one for yeah, that team. And I, I don't even know. I have no idea. But, but here's what I would want for them. I want to get nastier up front. There's a few teams up, There's a few teams picking high that need to do this. Seattle's another one who's up there somewhere in the top five, six or somewhere in there. Um, I think they definitely need to get something up front on defense. Obviously, they made trades from their front seven last year, and they were pushed around. So that's one. Uh, that's probably where I would lean if there's somebody that's a real difference maker there, right? And we've seen Detroit took Aiden Hutchinson. That's working out well for them. I think the Jaguars are happy with uh, Walker, who they took early, you know, and helped them in the playoffs. They got to get that. Now, obviously, they need weaponry too, but I don't know. The, I don't know if there's someone for the number one pick that I would do over, you know, just a a big, tough, physical piece for Matt Eberflus's defense. Well, I'm all about Carter. I'm all about a three technique who's going to be there. We want to see the second coming of Tommy Harris, some version of that, however you're yeah, going to get there. Yeah. Somebody's Warren Sapp, Tommy Harris, get somebody who's just going to run up the middle and and behead people. We vote for that here. That's what I do anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some tough bear football. You know, we, that defense, that's hard to watch, especially in Chicago. Tell us about it. We're talking with Mike Sando of The Athletic. He writes about the NFL and the Sando pick six was rating the coaching openings, and we went through that with the different versions of it: left tackle, wide receiver, rusher, cornerback. So the other, the other key positions. 
And the teams that are in the Final Four have filled those in different ways. And we could end up with a Super Bowl. I think the the, the road teams are going to win tomorrow. I think we're going to end up with a Super Bowl. Maybe I'm just a sucker for a storyline where the number one overall pick yeah. faces Mr. Yeah. Irrelevant in the Super Bowl. You know, writers like that. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. I love that whole storyline. So let's start with the NFC game, 49ers and Eagles. The Eagles have certainly been a topic of conversation here because we want Jalen, uh, you know, Justin Fields to grow up to be Jalen Hurts. How do you see that game? How are you picking? What? How are you scouting yeah, that game? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you that I think one of the road teams will win. I, I, I do... I do side with Philadelphia a little bit in this matchup. I think they're a little bit better up front on both sides. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. We've, we've been waiting for somebody to force uh, their, it, more of it to be on Brock Purdy's shoulders, and, and that hasn't really happened yet. They've played great around him. They have great talent. Uh, my fear for Philly is probably that I think the 49ers actually hit from the linebacker position, unlike uh, to a level that a lot of teams don't. And so I think Jalen Hurts with – some of, he obviously got hurt in the Chicago game. Uh, you know, could take a couple big shots in this game. Uh, I'm waiting to see that, but I do think that the Eagles uh, probably have a little bit more talent um, up front, and then may be able to get some things down the field on the perimeter in the passing game. Uh, but I love the 49ers too, and and they've won what 12 12 in a, is it 12 in a row now. Um, this is so. not the team that lost to the Bears. <laughs> this is in the week one. This is not week that one. team. Yeah. No, they're good. So I, I do think they're dangerous. I see where you're coming from on it. I mean, I, I don't feel overly strong on taking uh, taking the Eagles, but, uh, you know, I think it'll be a good game. I just lean a little bit that way, uh, but anxious to see it play out. Bengals, Chiefs? My fear in picking the Bengals is, which I am, is that <laughs> Mahomes is just setting us all up. You know, uh, I think Mahomes is spectacular. I think he thrives on the uh, doubts. And can he do it with the injury? He made amazing plays even after the injury last week, I'm throwing it off of one leg. I just feel like the Bengals might be a little more well-rounded, and that they, if Mahomes is just loses 10% or 15% of his superpowers of moving around that over the course of a 60 or 70 play game, that could be enough uh, for the, for the Bengals. I do think the Bengals are the better team on defense. I think just like the chiefs, they can control the ball on offense. They, the Bengals have done a great job closing out games, you know, holding the ball for the final possession, all of that. They can mitigate their pass protection issues a little bit because they're so precise in the short passing game. So that's kind of what I see um, is, is probably the Bengals, but I'm so glad I don't have to bet money on it because I would have a very hard time betting against my homes. You can't, you just see them at the end of the game with that smile on his face. Yeah. Talking I, to the I, yeah. I can reporter on the I, field. Right. I can just picture that. Not it's even just, with somebody else's money, Mike. Not even with somebody yeah, else's just, money. Yeah, so I don't know. How do you see that one? Do you got I, – are you leaning towards – I'm a sucker for storylines, so I love the Bengals. Yeah. I love yeah. I love, I love the giant killer that Joe is. That's the way he's I, – I love that whole storyline. So I appreciate he's you joining. He's a giant himself. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I love um, I love talking with you. Thanks for joining me. Hopefully we can catch up with you later as we get closer to the draft. Yep. 
Thank I hope you. so. Okay, we'll see you. Mike Sando of The Athletic, and I'll close out Saturday. Suckage, we broadcasted the football games I just talked with Mike about. 1 o'clock tomorrow, we will bring you the NFC Championship game, 5.30, the AFC Championship game. We'll bring you Bulls Magic at 5.45 tonight on the score Chuck's pregame show, and then Bulls and Magic. DePaul and Marquette will follow this here Saturday Suckage radio show. And again, onions, baby onions. Tomorrow, Danny Parkins of the playoff show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on The Score. And then we'll bring you football, the NFB. The Super Bowl teams will be known tomorrow, and it starts here on The Score at 1 p.m. Suckage years, Wake and Bake Club members, thank you for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.